your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 455 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And that song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, got to break down yet another really tough, grinded-out road win for this New York Ranger team there third in a row that fits that description. They go into Nashville last night, post a really tough 3-1 to win, and once again, the biggest news coming out of this game is the outstanding play of Igor Shesterkin. I realize that they don't give Vesnas for, you know, five games of work or four games of work in Igor's case, but if they did, I would think it would have to go to Igor Shesterkin. I mean, I, I have a very hard time believing, without looking at every single team around the NHL right now, that there's any goalie in this league that has played better and meant more to his team and keyed more victories than Igor Shesterkin has here in the early goings. He comes up big again last night, stops 28 of 29 shots. It's also entirely conceivable that the Rangers may not even have a win yet if not for the play of Igor Shesterkin. They'd probably have one. I mean, they've played five games, and this game last night, I wouldn't necessarily say that Igor stole it to the degree that he stole the game against the Canadians and certainly the game against the Maple Leafs. But once again, I would say the biggest reason that the Rangers won a game last night and came away with two points on the road against a tough team was Igor Shesterkin. And as I tweeted out last night, you know, this is far from perfect, but it is a lot more fun, certainly this season being 3-1-1 than last season when the Rangers started 1-4-1. I think we can all agree on that. And the biggest issue right now is the Rangers just can't score any goals. Now, of course, this is due in part to the fact that Capo Caco is not in the lineup, Ryan Strom is not in the lineup, but there's just too many times where the offense looks kind of anemic and the power play right now is a complete disaster. I tweeted last night, that despite the fact that the Rangers have only scored eight regulation goals in their first five games, they still have a record of 3-1-1. One, and one. Now, that does not include the two empty net goals that have been scored, but think about that. Eight goals in regulation in five games, you've won three of them, and one of them is an overtime loss. So you're off to a pretty good start, kind of in spite of yourself, in spite of the fact that you really just can't score any goals right now. So I guess on one hand, you got to take it. But at the same time, you know, I mentioned the power play a second ago. You look at the players that are still here for the New York Rangers. And this is especially true in the power play because certainly the Rangers are lacking depth right now. So 5v5, you can understand a little bit why the scoring might be down. Once again, no Kako, no Strom, two of your top six forwards, two guys that are very, very important to the Rangers this season and what they ultimately hope to do. But I don't really have any excuses for the power play. I mean, you look at the top power play unit, it's basically intact. I mean, you've got Lafreniere there instead of Strom, which shouldn't be really all that much of a downgrade if it's even a downgrade at all. I mean, certainly, you know, you look at long-term upside, Alexi Lafreniere has quite a bit more than Ryan Strom, but let's even give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, well, they're missing Ryan Strom from the top power play unit, and they have to go with Alexi Lafreniere. Does a top power play unit of Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Adam Fox, and Alexi Lafreniere, does that sound like a unit that should be two for 20 on the season? And again, this is something that we've talked about in the past. You can't always go by their X for Y. You know what I mean? You can't always just look at, oh, well, they're two for 20. 
you know, if they're actually creating scoring opportunities and they're actually looking dangerous, then you can at least, you know, kind of look at that as a little bit of a silver lining. I realize this is a results league, and sooner or later you have to be able to score on the man advantage. But if they were at least creating scoring opportunities, you could kind of look at that and be like, all right, well, you know, they're going to get there. It's going to happen. Right now, it's not happening at all. And I think last night was probably the worst that we've seen this power play look all season. They go 0 for 4, but not just that. They get a power play at the end of the first period, and I believe there was a minute and seven seconds left on the power play when the second period started. And then the Rangers get another power play immediately after this. Uh, the first power play was expiring. It, in fact, did expire, but there was also another delayed penalty coming on the Predators. I believe this is the one where they uh, hit Sammy Blay up high. We'll have more on that in a second as well, but Blay took an elbow to the jaw. Very questionable hit from Benning from the Predators. And so the Rangers go right back on the power play, and then there's another penalty on the on the Predators, and the Rangers end up with, I believe, a minute and 23 seconds of five-on-three action. So just enormous amount of sustained time on the power play, and the Rangers can't really do anything with it. And it, again, it's not just that they're not scoring. If they had opportunities left and right, and there was crisp passing, and, you know, the goalie just kind of stood on his head and robbed you, okay, you know, what are you going to do? You shrug it off, and, you know, we'll, we'll get it the next time. But throughout this entire power play here, including the five-on-three, just too many Rangers that were completely stationary, not good puck movement, a little bit too fine with their passing. You know, sometimes you just got to cut it loose a little bit and not look for that perfect play, and just kind of throw it at the net, and the Rangers just weren't doing that. Uh, there were a couple of passes, and Panarin and Zibanejad, of all players, uh, were the two biggest uh, infractors, if that's a word, of what I'm talking about on this power play here. Uh, Panarin just gave the puck away, and then Mika Zibanejad gave the puck away not too long after that, and these resulted in easy clears for the Predators, and this is when it's five on three. I mean, there's no reason why a pass should be intercepted clean by the team that is down two men on the ice. So, uh, yeah, just unfortunate. You know, the power play couldn't get it going. Uh, there were obviously a lot of positives to take out of this game as well, though. These were character wins, these last three wins that the Rangers have gotten here. You know, and these are the kind of wins that the Rangers, I don't think it really got all that often last season. Last season, the Rangers, it felt like they had to win these high-scoring crazy games, 4-3, 5-4, whatever it might be. There weren't too many of these grinded-out type wins where the Rangers are edging their opponent 2-1 to or 3-2 to or 3-1, to you know, with an empty netter tacked on at the end. Uh, so that is encouraging that the Rangers, you know, once again, some uh, blue-collar, really hard-nosed kind of wins, and it seems like they're kind of embracing this. They're embracing the challenge of just outlasting a team as they did last night and as they did in the two wins that preceded that. But we're going to talk about all that in just a second here. But first, I I just wanted to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. You got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. You know what my favorite flavor is? It's mint brownie because brownies are awesome and these are actually healthy. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And just wanted to thank you guys again for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. 
All right, we will move quickly to the line combinations before we get into a couple of the highlights from this game for the Rangers. And the Rangers stick with the line that they closed the last game with, the super stack top line, if you will. Mika Zibanejad centering Artemi Panarin and Chris Kreider. Uh, they had a couple of opportunities, but I don't think that we got what we were hoping to get from this top line. I mean, the Rangers kind of put all their eggs in one basket here, and you figured that it was probably going to be another low-scoring game, as we talked about with uh, Locked on Predators the other day for our cross over episode, but you figured, you know, if, if the Rangers were going to win this game, certainly this line was going to have a lot to say about it, and they were going to have to get on the score sheet at least once or twice. They don't produce any goals. Uh, it should be noted that Mika Zibanejad did put a shot off the post twice, so he was within a couple of inches both times. In fact, the Rangers in total, I believe, hit the post three times in this game. The Predators hit the post twice, so I suppose it could have been a little bit higher scoring than it ended up being. Uh, alas, none of those goals actually go in. None of those shots actually go in, but the Rangers go with a second line of Philip Heedle centering Alexi Lafreniere and Sammy Blay, and these guys stepped up big, producing each of the Rangers two goals. Again, not counting the empty netter that Barclay Goodrow scored at the end of the game, but yeah, these guys look good together. They get an early goal, a little bit of a fluky goal. I'm sure this is one that UC Saros would tell you that he would have liked to have had back, but Filipino carries it in up the right side, puts a backhand shot on the net, and it just gets right through Saros. This is within the first two or three minutes of the action here, and the Rangers take a one to nothing lead. And, you know, good for Filipino. It's nice that he finally, uh, you know, got onto the score sheet this season. He had that hat trick to close out. The preseason has been kind of quiet through the first five uh, regular season games here, but this goes back to something that we were talking about. Sometimes, especially when you're struggling for, for goals and you're struggling for scoring opportunities, you just got to put the puck at the net and sometimes good things happen. This is a prime example of it here. It looked like Saros was surprised that Heedle shot. I mean, Heedle had the puck on his backhand and I think, you know, maybe Saros was expecting a pass or maybe Heedle tries to carry the puck behind the net, dump the puck behind the net, something like that. Uh, but instead, he just snaps off a quick shot on his backhand and scores, makes it one to nothing. And, uh, of course, that line then had just a highlight reel, beautiful goal later in this game to put the Rangers on top 2-1. to one. Uh, So Adam Fox carries the puck over the blue line, makes an outstanding pass to his left to Sammy Blay. Blay is right in the center of the ice. He's going ahead with a full head of steam toward the Nashville net, and he's running out of room, and I'm thinking that Blay's going to shoot this. He's going to try for, like, a stuffing goal, maybe try to lift it over the glove of UC Saros. Instead, he sends a beautiful backhand pass, and like I said, he was... He did it at the last possible second here because if he held onto this puck for one second longer, I think the defenseman would have closed and or UC Saros would have been able to get his stick on the puck and just break the whole thing up. But he passes to his left to Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere's got a wide open net and he scores. So Lafreniere nets his second game-winning goal early in the season. And this is something that I mentioned in the Locked On Now video last night, but it really is nice to see Lafreniere contributing offensively early because that was obviously a tremendous struggle for him early last season. I still don't think we've seen the best hockey that Alexi Lafreniere has to play, but you know what? He's stepping up big now, uh, again, in a time where Capo Caco and Ryan Strom are both out of the lineup. He ends up with a goal and an assist on this night. And again, the game-winning goal. So a clutch goal there and all set up by, you know, great play by Adam Fox and a fantastic play by Sammy Blay. I mean, Lafreniere between the three of them probably did less than the other two guys, the two guys that had the assist, but be that as it may, uh, obviously in good position there, receives the pass from Blay. Again, a phenomenal pass from Sammy Blay, uh, setting up Alexi Lafreniere for what turned out to be the game-winning goal. 
As for the rest of the line combinations, on the third line, you had Kevin Rooney centering, Dryden Hunt on the left wing, and Barclay Goodrow on the right wing. And then the fourth line, Greg McKaig centering Morgan Barron on the left wing, Ryan Reeves on the right wing. Now with Morgan Barron, he's obviously making his season debut here. I believe he skated in five games with the Rangers last season, scored his first career goal uh, during that time as well. I think in due time, if the Rangers continue to roll with this lineup going forward, and they might not because it sounds like, you know, Kako and Strom could both be close to returning. Kako for sure. Uh, they mentioned that they were hopeful that he would only spend the seven days minimum required on the IR. So it's possible he could even be back for Saturday's afternoon game against the Ottawa Senators. Ryan Strom, it sounds like it's a little bit more up in the air. But I think if the Rangers, if they were going to continue rolling with these lines going forward, it's only a matter of time before Morgan Barron jumps Dryden Hunt. I just feel like with Barron, you know, there's a little bit more upside with Hunt. You pretty much know what you're going to get. It's a guy who's going to check and, you know, play physical and all that good stuff. But I just don't see him really in a top nine role at all. And I certainly don't see him uh, as a member of the power play. Now, of course, this is once again necessitated by the fact that Strom and Kako are both out of the lineup. So Hunt's been getting some time on the second power play unit. Even so, I feel like there are probably better options on the Rangers that they could go with on that second power play than Dryden Hunt. But, you know, again, they're, they're a little bit handcuffed right now in terms of what they can do due to the uh, absences of Strom and Kako. So we'll give them a little bit of a break there. And... The other thing that I have to point out here, and it's something that I've kind of been harping on, you know, pretty much, I don't want to say from the start of the season, but, you know, Julian Gauthier, once again, a healthy scratch. And I don't know, it, may, it must just be because both of these coaches, these last two coaches that the Rangers have had, Gerard Gallant this year and David Quinn the last couple of years, they're just not a fan of his game. And the only thing I can really come up with is that he does not do enough offensively to justify his defensive shortcomings. And that's why you don't see Julian Gauthier in the lineup very often. And that's why you see him taking a backseat to guys like Greg McKaig and, you know, Dryden Hunt. I personally would have him out there, especially once again, when you consider the fact that the Rangers are really struggling to score goals right now. I think, you know, he at least has a little bit of upside. And once again, with the absences to Kako and Strom, I feel like if there's ever a time to just tell Julian Gauthier sink or swim and give him a more prominent role out there and just find out once and for all what you have in this guy, this would be the opportunity to do it. The Rangers have not taken advantage of that opportunity. I mean, they're winning. So, I mean, what do I know, right? Like, I mean, they're going with the, the bigger, more physical uh, players and it's been leading to some wins at least. But again, you know, you're just, you know, eight goals, eight regulation goals in five games here, not counting the empty netters. I, I feel like you could use a little bit of an offensive spark. And I just think, you know, call me crazy that Julian Gauthier is more likely to provide you with that than somebody like Dryden Hunt or somebody like Greg McKaig. Um, it's possible that I overrate Julian Gauthier. That's something that I acknowledge in the past as well, but I'd be at least giving him an opportunity here. And we have to talk about Morgan Barron, you know, his debut. Uh, he didn't have really all that eventful of a night. He was out there for nine minutes and 18 seconds. He had one hit and also played 39 seconds of penalty kill time. And like I said, you know, I think overall he did fine. And, you know, you could see his role start to grow a little bit as the games progress here. Although he's also a candidate to come out of the lineup once the Rangers are back to full strength and once Stroman Kako get back in there. We'll have to see how they play it. Uh, I personally would Leave him out there if you're going to have him on the NHL roster anyway. I think, you know, guys like Hun and McKay could come out of the lineup and you could still uh, keep rolling with Morgan Barron out there because I really just don't see the point of having him as a healthy scratch night in and night out. Morgan Barron's got to be playing, whether it's in the NHL or in the AHL. Something else that I got to call some attention to is that this game, you know, for not being a rivalry game, for not being even an interconference game, 
And for two teams that have as little history together as the Rangers and Predators do, this game got pretty chippy in a heck of a hurry in the second period. I think what really sparked it was when Sammy Blay uh, got hit up high by Benning. Benning basically elbow to the jaw. Blay went down. And, you know, Dryden Hunt, credit to him, he jumped Benning and, you know, tried to get after him. They both go off for roughing. And the Rangers get a power play out of it. And that ultimately led to the five-on-three Ranger power play where they did not score. And that's another thing. You know, you really want to see the Rangers cash in on their power Power play opportunities. I mean, you could say that for any power play opportunity that the Rangers get, but when you're trying to punish somebody for, you know, a very questionable hit that Benning put on Blay here, that just makes you all the more badly want to see the Rangers cash in and get a goal out of it and make him pay for, you know, doing something stupid and doing something reckless. Uh, but it kind of leads me into my next point here. You know, we talked about how the Rangers in the offseason, the MO was we want to get bigger. We want to get tougher. We want to get nastier. We want to get more difficult to play against. You guys know. You guys follow this team. You know what I'm talking about. And they did that. I mean, for sure, this, this is a more physical team than we've seen the Rangers field in recent seasons. But this happened. This thing between Blay and Benning happened early in the second period. And, you know, there was an instance later in the game where Barclay Goodrow was challenging Benning. He wanted to fight him. Benning didn't want any part of it. He skated off to the bench and, and went off the ice. But, you know, we're five games into the season now. The Rangers have been in some chippy games, and we've yet to see a fight, like a real true bonafide fight. I know that Blay and somebody on the Capitals both got a double minor for roughing, but there have not been any five-minute major penalties in a New York Ranger game this season. And in a situation like this, I'm not advocating senseless violence. I'm not saying the Rangers should be out there and doing their best Danbury Trashers impersonation every single game. But when something like this happens... You know, if you're not going to go after Benning, if you're not going to challenge him, and, and again, to the Rangers' defense, Goodrow did challenge him, but if you're not going to force the issue and force Benning to drop his gloves and get into a fight, then you're almost not taking advantage of the fact that you made this team bigger, tougher, more difficult to play against, nastier, all that good stuff. And it's not to say that the Rangers have to get into a fight every single night, but this is the uh, quintessential moment to force the issue and force the Predators to fight you. And if Benning doesn't want to drop his gloves, if he's too scared to drop his gloves, then find somebody else. You know, we did the uh, crossover episode with Locked On Predators the other day, and, you know, they mentioned a couple of under-the-radar players to watch, and one of the players that was mentioned was Jano. And Jano, you know, you could see he was out there mixing it up. He was really as advertised by the host of the Locked On Nashville Predators podcast, and I'm sure he would have dropped the gloves. I'm sure he would have obliged if somebody like, you know, Blay or Reeves or Goodrow or, you know, anybody on this New York Ranger team would have uh, tried to fight him. I would get the feeling that Janot probably would have obliged. So, yeah, again, you know, I'm not advocating for senseless violence and the Rangers to go out there and feel like they need to get into three fights every single night. But when something like this happens, you got to take advantage of that newfound grit and toughness and physicality, and you got to force the issue and make somebody fight you. It's not like this happened in the last two minutes of a tie game, and you don't want to get into a fight because you don't want to take a penalty and put your team in a bad spot. No, this was early in the second period. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just think at some point there has to be an answer back for something like that. And, uh, you know, given that the Rangers are equipped to deal with situations like this now, I'd like to see them take advantage of it. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. We are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, 
boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so something that I've occasionally gotten on the Rangers for both this season and really ever since this podcast started is there's a lot of times where a goal is scored either by the Rangers or I think more commonly by their opponent, and the following shift by the Rangers is not good at all. They just, for whatever reason, they take their foot off the gas a little bit. They're just a little bit lethargic, and it often comes back to bite them. By that same token, I got to give big-time props to the Rangers for the shift that they had after the Predators scored in the second period to tie the game at 1-1 to because they had a great answer here. They were absolutely buzzing in the national zone. It's one of the best shifts that we saw the Panarin line take all night. And Panarin, you know, he goes and fishes the puck out of the corner. He just kind of throws it toward the net. It bounces off the skate of a defenseman, goes on net. Uh, Saro stopped it, but... Kreider crashed the net, could not quite stuff it home. I think one of the national defensemen made a pretty nice play to kind of just move Kreider out of there before he'd get the puck on his stick and put it home. But the Rangers came out absolutely flying after the Predators scored a goal to tie the game at 1-1. to And speaking of that goal, it's something else that I want to talk about here. The Predators on this goal, the puck goes behind the net. Igor had just made a save, and Tomasino basically from behind the goal line, just banks it off of Igor Shesterkin and into the net to tie it at one-to-one. And that's really about the only way that you can score on Igor Shesterkin right now. Both of the goals that he's allowed in these last two games were a little bit on the fluky side. And it just looks to me that you're not going to beat this guy clean right now because not only is he making every save and making highlight reel save after highlight reel save, it's just the way that he's doing it. It doesn't seem like he's ever out of position. It doesn't seem like he's ever not aware of where the puck is. He just... Keeps a very, very cool head on his shoulders, and he just, he squares up everything. It's just, the puck is not going to get by him cleanly. It's not even going to get by him on a deflection right now, because we talked about that too. The game against Montreal, and also I'm sure the game against Toronto, because he made about 300 saves in that game against Toronto. There were a couple of instances where there were deflections, really good deflections by Montreal or Toronto in front of the net that certainly seemed like the puck was going to be ticketed to the back of the twine. And instead, you know, Igor makes a last second adjustment and he stops those as well. So you just cannot say enough about the job uh, that he's done. You could look at the stat sheet or just use your eye test. Uh, It's pretty obvious that this guy is playing like an elite NHL goalie right now. And again, the only way you're going to beat him is with something kind of weird, kind of fluky, which is what we saw on the lone goal that the Predators score in this game. It was a good play by Tomasino, take nothing away. He saw the opportunity, had the puck behind the net and figured, hey, you know, we're not beating this guy any other way. Let me try to bank it off him in. And that's what he ends up doing. So Igor Shesterkin, that's about the only way you're going to score on him right now is if something completely fluky happens. So yeah, again, just cannot say enough about the job that Igor Shesterkin has done to start this season for the New York Rangers. You know, we've talked about how the Ranger power play has struggled to start the season. I think the penalty kill has done a heck of a job outside of, you know, opening night. I believe the Caps went like three for six on the power play that night, somewhere in that vicinity. But the Predators go over three last night. And overall, I just thought the kill did a really nice job. There's a lot of players that are really excelling in that role. And this is a big sequence in the game. It's getting toward the end of the second period. Game still tied at one goal apiece. And the Preds go in on a two-on-one rush, and Patrick Nemeth is the lone defenseman back, and he kind of went down to his stomach to, you know, try to prevent a cross-ice pass and leave Igor one-on-one with the potential shooter. So uh, the player that had the puck ends up taking the shot, and uh, Igor squares him up, glove save. But a nice play by Patrick Nemeth there. Uh, there was a play a little bit later in this power play where Barclay Goodrow deflected a pass to knock the puck out of the zone, and then Patrick Nemeth had another clear later in this man advantage for 
for the National Predators. So a lot of guys just firing on all cylinders. I mean, all the usual suspects. Kevin Rooney looks really good out there. Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad doing a nice job. Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren, they always get, you know, a good chunk of time on the penalty kill as well. Jacob Trubo was out there for a lot of the, uh, you know, penalty kill last night as well. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Patrick Nemeth because I thought he had kind of an under-the-radar, really nice game for the Rangers last night. Just a lot of plays like this that I just described, uh, you know, things that don't necessarily stand out, but it seems like he just always makes the right decision with the puck, plays it safe, makes the smart play, uh, a defense and just a veteran defenseman, which is what the Rangers were looking for. Somebody who knows what he's doing back there. And he ended up getting three minutes and 11 seconds on the penalty kill for the Rangers last night. That was second among Ranger defensemen only to Jacob Truba, who had three minutes and 24 seconds of time on the kill. And, you know, again, I thought those two played pretty well together. And Patrick Nemeth, one of those guys, doesn't really, you know, stand out in any spectacular way, but under the radar, like I said, a pretty solid game for him last night. And again, logging a lot of time on the penalty kill, which is good because the Rangers have a lot of defensemen that, you know, could be candidates to get time on the man advantage. Obviously, you know, Adam Fox is going to be out there. Uh, Ke'Andre Miller, you figure he's going to have a lot of time on the second power play unit. Although last night, Miller did not play on the second power play unit, did not get any time at all. In fact, Nils Lundqvist got a minute and six seconds, Patrick Nemeth with 56 seconds, and Jacob Truba with 38 seconds on the power play. Adam Fox, of course, had 557 because of course he did. And with all the injuries to the Rangers right now, I mean, it's really just two, Stroman, Kako, but that does have a tremendous trickle-down effect. And, uh, you know, Jacob Trouba is going to be out there on the second power play unit as well as a result of that. So really nice to see Patrick Nemeth uh, stepping up and becoming somebody that the Rangers can really rely on on the penalty kill. That kind of limits some of the ice time that, you know, Adam Fox and, and Ryan Lindgren are going to get. Obviously, you want those guys out there as much as possible, but Gerard Gaughan has talked about this recently that he doesn't want Adam Fox playing 30 minutes a night, at least on most nights. There might be the odd night where you just have to do that, but if you can kind of you know, reduce a little bit of Adam Fox's wear and tear by having somebody like Patrick Nemeth step up on the penalty kill. And that's obviously a positive for the Rangers going forward. And then we had Ryan Lindgren almost scoring his first goal of the season, would have been just the third goal of his career. Uh, this whole thing was set up by Artemi Panarin. He was in by himself on the forecheck. Literally, he was the only Ranger in the uh, camera shot. You know, they were showing the hard cam, and he was the only Ranger. There were at least four or five Predators in the shot, and he's in there, you know, fighting for the puck, you know, trying to get it loose, trying to get possession of it. But what he did, you know, he gave the Predators fits, and he bought the Rangers some time. Mika Kreider, they get out there on, you know, a, a line change and the Rangers end up keeping the puck in the Predator zone. And then Ryan Lindgren takes a shot from the left face-off circle. It kind of deflects off of the stick of a Predator defenseman and just kind of flutters into the net. Uh, it was overturned because initially Artemi Panarin was offside on this play. So that was unfortunate. It would have been really cool to see Ryan Lindgren bag his first goal of the season. It uh, was not meant to be. But the Rangers, you know, they kept coming and they eventually get that goal. You know, once again, just a beautiful goal. Adam Fox intercepts a pass in the neutral zone. He brings it into the Predator zone, passes to his left to Blay. Blay with a phenomenal pass to Lafreniere and Lafreniere with the tipping goal. Two to one Rangers midway through the third. And I thought the Rangers played their best hockey of the night uh, from this point on. And again, we've gotten on the Rangers for not always being sharp on the shift that follows a goal, but they were sharp on the shift that followed this goal and really just the rest of the third period here. The Rangers got a lot of scoring opportunities down the stretch. We're not quite able to convert. But then, you know, the Predators get an offensive zone face-off against the Rangers with 2.26 remaining, and they decide to pull their goalie, which seems a little early to pull your goalie, but I also kind of get it because, you know, offensive zone face-off, it is getting kind of late in the third period. You got to take your chance here. Hopefully, you can win a face-off from the Predators' point of view and, uh, you know, find a way to get one. But 
The Rangers, they defended this about as perfectly as you possibly could for the last two minutes here. Just very, very smart plays with the puck. Everybody seemed cool, calm, and collected out there. There were a lot of different players rotating on and off the ice for the Rangers in those last couple of minutes. Keeping the puck along the boards, making smart plays, you know, dumping the puck into the neutral zone to a teammate. That guy gets the red line. He dumps it into the predator zone. Just really smart plays. And again, you're watching this game live, and you're always a little nervous in this spot, no matter who your team is and what the situation might be. But I think you're always a little bit nervous when your team is protecting, you know, one goal lead late in the game, and the other team has their goalie pulled. But I got to say, I thought the Rangers played this about as well as they possibly could, and I didn't think there was any way the Predators were going to score. I felt really good about this going down the stretch here. And... Just to kind of give you guys some examples of what I was talking about here, I mean, you had Jacob Truba blocking a shot, you had Kreider flipping the puck out of the zone, uh, you had Rooney, McKeg, and Hunt out there, they were doing good work, and again, just keeping it simple, keeping the puck along the boards, McKeg wins a faceoff for the Rangers with 114 remaining in the Rangers zone, so that was big as well, uh, Lindgren, you know, he moves the puck along the boards for Kevin Rooney, Rooney chips it ahead to Greg McKeg out of the zone. You get Zabanajad, Kreider, Goodrow, Truba, and Miller out there together. Kreider plays it off the boards and out once again. Uh, the Predators get it back in with 40 seconds to go. The Rangers miss an empty net goal by about an inch, so it turns into icing with 30 seconds left. And then you get Barclay Goodrow winning a faceoff. You know, we haven't seen him at center all that often, but he wins a big faceoff here with 30 seconds remaining. And then Truba... Around the boards, Samika Zibanejad. Zibanejad gets it out of the zone. And then Barclay Goodrow with an excellent play at center ice. Basically just straight up steals the puck and uh, shoots it into the empty net. And that was that. Barclay Goodrow scores with less than 10 seconds remaining. And the Rangers, just like that, have won three in a row. Despite not finding their offensive stride by any stretch of the imagination, but finding a way to get it done. And... You know, you got to take it. This certainly beats the alternative of the Rangers starting 1-4-1 as they did last season. Uh, but one other thing that I got to mention here, I, I forgot to mention it. We're talking about Igor Shesterkin and all the saves that he made. He had just a spectacular save early in the first period in this game. I think the Predators won the power play at the time, but Igor had to move quickly to his right, fully extend his right arm, and just make a spectacular blocker save to keep the puck out, kept the game scoreless at the time. Or, or the Rangers might have actually been up one nothing at that point, but you get the idea. Big time early save by Igor Shesterkin, and once again, just kind of setting the tone for the kind of night that he was going to have. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we will be talking about the result of the Rangers at the Senators. The puck drops at 1 p.m. for that game on Saturday. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available on all platforms.